So I'm doing two hats tonight, helping with music. Um, and it reminded me how much work the music team does to get ready for everything. And so please, please give it up for them. Um, it's so nice that I can, I'm glad. I love to play and everything, but man, it's so nice to see you all just using your gifts and you know playing music. And, and I don't have, I can just you know worry about what I'm going to say. Um, so it's awesome. So if you're new here, really thank you for being here because it takes a lot of risk to come to a new place. So thank you for being here. Also, Emily Marceller's in the house. Emily was the intern uh, from 2017 to 19, right? I think so. And uh, so great to have her here. And she's an all-star, so like you should get to know her. Um, she's at UVA Law School right now. And so... We're thankful that you can be back and, and join us. Um, she has a fall break, um, but Marilyn doesn't. Sorry about that. Um, one of those things. Yes, everybody go there. So I'm gonna just I'm gonna start with this quote. Jason Harris is a pastor in New York City, and he's former RUF campus minister at Northwestern. He wrote a nice essay on justification because that's what this passage is really all about tonight. And the, the essay is called Justifying Ourselves. And here's what he says. He says, the playwright George Bernard Shaw described life in startling terms when he wrote in one of his plays, quote, the lives which have no use, no meaning, no purpose will fade out. You will have to justify your existence or perish. In our global information age of limitless possibilities, he goes on, the freedom to be anything has turned into the expectation to be everything. As a result, many of us, you all are students, feel relentless pressure to justify your existence or perish. So we try to establish our value by making money or enhancing our sex appeal or gaining more influence or improving our image. And you could add tons of things to that. But despite our attempts to prove our worth, we never seem to measure up. Christianity acknowledges our predicament and challenges us to see that justification, the justification we crave cannot be achieved by ourselves through our own efforts, but only be received from God as a gift. And so the heart of this story is all about justification, and it's set with a tax collector and a Pharisee praying. So this is another parable that we're doing um, this semester. And the question in the parable at the very end, it says that this, the man, the tax collector, who was crying out to God for mercy who didn't have anything to give God or offer God, the one who's just crying out to God for mercy, it says that he went home justified. And then the question is tonight, are you going to go home justified? Are you going to go home justified? Do you know if before God's face you're okay? You're, you're saved. You're in a, in a good place with God. Um, and that's what the heart of this story is about. So if you have your Bibles or you can look up here, uh, we're going to read Luke 18, 9 to 14. Hear God's word. 
he, Jesus, also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am, I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even look, lift his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his home justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. This ends the reading God's holy word. Let me uh, pray for a second. Lord, be with us. Send your spirit. Help us to understand what we just read. We pray that you would be with us and encourage us. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're looking at these two types, two types of justification. Self-justification or other justification. That's how I want to break this down. There's two types of justification. And really, it's a theme we see all through the Bible. The Bible could be described as a story which is describing how a person is justified or made righteous before God. Ever since Genesis 3, okay, going way back, um, there's been a problem. Adam and Eve in the garden sought ultimately to save themselves without God, to justify themselves by taking of the fruit and not accepting instead God's uh, word and God's authority in their life, not trusting him for their salvation, but instead trying to reach for salvation themselves. Okay, so this is this happens. And after that incident, everybody was forever changed. Our hearts were forever changed. Um, it's where we get this idea of original sin that's passed on to from our, our uh, mother and father, Adam and Eve. And the rest of the biblical story is really about people running from God, <clears throat> seeking to justify their own existence by what they do, um, seeking to gain salvation in some other way, not, not with God, but in some other way. And so we see all kinds of things. We see all kinds of idolatry, seeking self, seeking money, power, sex, all of these things. And guess what? It continues on today. Um, and even people can use God's law to try to justify themselves too. And that's basically what the Pharisee is here. And so that's, that's part A of the biblical story, but part B is the fact that God, in his grace and mercy, runs after these rebellious people that are seeking to justify themselves and stops them in their track and shows them his grace and mercy through Jesus Christ. And so, and he offers free justification, free grace to all who would repent and believe. And so this story basically summarizes, you know, the two types of people that we see all through the Bible. Those who are trying to justify themselves by their accomplishments, by their law-keeping, uh, by their obedience, or even by their idolatry, idolatrous hearts, which are seeking to save themselves, or those who rely 
on being justified by another, by God. And so that's what we're looking at. This is the big paradigm of the Bible. And these two types of people are actually all through the New Testament. You meet them with Jesus all the time. He's meeting tax collectors and sinners. He's meeting Pharisees. We've already, we've even looked at some of these parables and these two characters show up, right? The prodigal son parable, right? You have the older brother who's like the Pharisee. He's the law keeper. He's the rule keeper. He's trying to do it all right, but he doesn't know anything about God and he's not justified. And then you have the the younger brother who's the one who parties and everything, but then he comes to his senses and repents and experiences the justification of God, right? Uh, last week, we looked at the Pharisee and, the, and again, the, the, the woman of the night or the, the, the prostitute who came to worship Jesus, right? You have the Pharisee who is like all about his own actions and the law, but yet he misses justification. And then you have this woman who understood like, I'm a sinner and like there's nothing in myself that's good, but I trust you, Jesus, and what you have done. And so we see these characters like literally all through the Bible. I mean, you could break the Bible down into these two types of people. The question is, which one are you? Which one are you? Um, so the first person here is the one who is self-justifying. This is the Pharisee, okay? And uh, verses 11 and 12. And so let's just think about some of his actions. I'll just read again real quick. Um, two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. 11, the Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes. Of all that I get. And so let's break this down. Pharisees were all about justifying themselves. And it says in the text that he stands by himself and prays. So even his posture shows something about his heart. Okay? He is standing almost like he's giving a speech uh, to be heard by others and to show off basically his religious knowledge, uh, his theology, his practice, all those sorts of things. Also, he stands by himself. He's, he's, he's about separation. This was a big part of the Pharisaical law. Like they felt like they would be defiled if they were next to sinners or if they touched sinners. Remember when last week when the woman touches Jesus, the woman of the city, the sinner, it was almost as, and he says to himself, if this man, Jesus, knew what kind of woman touched her, ultimately, he's thinking he would be defiled. That He can't be a prophet because he would, he would be defiled. So this is really what, the, what the, the Pharisees would do. They would stand off by themselves. It's almost the idea that like holiness is next to cleanliness. Like, you know, it's, holiness is next to godliness. It's like if we can separate ourselves out from sinners, then we will be righteous. But it lacks what? It lacks the heart of God for love and love of sinners. Jesus, who is God himself, comes down and what does he do? He dines with sinners and tax collectors. He goes to those who need a physician. He says, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, 
but sinners to repentance. Jesus is not afraid to get involved with sinners. He's not afraid to go to Zacchaeus' house, who was a tax collector. In fact, Jesus is going there to love people, to change people, to show them he loves sinners. And so this is really important for us to get. Like, if you feel like a big sinner, if you have shame, if you have a lot of guilt, if you, like, guess what? Jesus is a friend of sinners. He loves the brokenhearted. He loves the contrite heart. We'll get to that in a second. Um, But... This is, this is his M.O. He compares and judges others, okay? In his prayer, he's like saying, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even this tax collector. He's a comparing type person, thinking himself righteous. Uh, and he's ultimately, ultimately trying to build a record of obedience before God. He tells God what he does, and he takes pride in it. Um, course this is a story okay he says hey i fast twice a week in fact only once a year was required yom kippur the day of atonement but he's fasting twice a week okay uh i give tithes of all that i get so he's praying but really the prayer is really about himself in fact he says i do this i do this five times it's god look at me look at my resume like i'm good i got it all together The prayer is really about himself. The prayer is not about giving glory to God. The prayer is about giving glory to the Pharisee. Uh, And, you know, you might think, well, this is, well, what's missing in this prayer? What is missing in this prayer? There's no sense of, there's no requests. There's no needs. There's, God, this is how I am. Like, I'm good. But, but the ultimate baseline foundation, essence of prayer is what? A cry of the heart to God. Saying, like, I don't have what it takes. I am dependent upon you. I need you. I need your forgiveness. I need your love. I need your grace. Prayer is dependence. This guy is fine with himself. He prays as a show. He prays, really, to himself. Now, you might think, well, this is very cartoonist. This guy is very one-dimensional. I mean, Jesus is telling a story, right? He's telling a parable. This is not a real person, okay? It's, it's a parable. Um, but, <laughs> you know, so you might think, well, like, this is, this is cartoonist. This is one-dimensional, like, ridiculously, overtly judgmental, self-righteous. There, there can't be anybody like this, right? Uh, I, I would say, yes, there are people like this, right? There are people that are just totally in themselves, right? Um, and, and then you have, as, as you read the rest of the Bible, we have the Apostle Paul, uh, who became a believer, but he talks about, in Philippians 3, his old life as a Pharisee, and it was very much like this. He was basically um, zealous as a Pharisee, obedient. It was all about his record. He was uh, all about his heritage, his blood, his position, his zeal for the law of God. He was like the head top of his class he was doing things for god but he didn't know anything about god and all he's doing is trying to like secure the tradition of the pharisees and wipe out jesus and wipe out the church this is the apostle paul that's what it looks like a few 
books later in the story. And the point is of this parable is really that this is actually the nature of people's hearts, that all of us, me, we seek ourselves. Like Martin Luther said that um, the problem with man is the inward bent, that, that our hearts, the sinfulness of our hearts is that we, it's turned inside on ourselves. It's all about self. But this is the nature of our, our sin nature is ultimately about self. The inward bent of our hearts. Do you see that in your life? Um, the other thing about this that's, that's a danger and a warning as you think about the Pharisee, this is a person who's religious. This is a person who, if you saw him on the street, you're like, oh, that's a religious guy. Like, he's a good person. That's a good person. He must be close to God. Okay? And what Jesus is trying to show here is, like, that was just a show. And this should scare all of us. If you grew up in a church and if you grew up thinking, like, you're good and you're not that bad, um, he's, like, saying a person with biblical knowledge, theological knowledge, all the right answers can be, like, their heart can be totally far away from God. That should scare us. It scares me to think about it. Um, there's a place in the Gospels where Jesus is talking about the judgment. And, he, and these people are coming up to him and saying, like, Lord, Lord, um, we did all these things. We did all, you know, we did these miracles. We cast out demons, etc., etc." And Jesus will say to them, I never knew you. Get away from me. It's like they were doing all these things for God, thinking that they really knew God and they were close to God. And Jesus at the end says, I never knew you. That is scary because like in ministry, people in ministry like me, it's like ministry can almost become like, you know, it's my job. And I have to really watch it like, oh, I need to like love Jesus. Like I need to repent. I need to daily like feed on Jesus myself because if I if I don't do that, my heart is going to grow cold. And then everything I'm doing here will be just like going through the motions. That's like death. That is death. You have to like warm your heart with who Jesus is in the gospel every day. And so the Pharisees, man, it's really easy to become cold because I got the knowledge. I got everything. They call seminary, cemetery. <laughs> you know, you go off to study theology and it's like you actually just died <laughs> because it was so, you have all this knowledge, you know, but it's like, it's really easy to your heart can be cold. Um, and so this is a warning for all of you, like, growing up in the church and, like, you know all the answers and everything. But, like, man, do you know Jesus? Do you, do you have the sense of your sin and that you need Jesus? And so, um, all right, closing this point, there was, a, there was an old, do you guys know the comedian Jeff Foxworthy? Okay, like one person. So he was, like, he, he, he's actually on that show right now, like, about the comedians, like, trying to become comedians. He's the old redneck guy. But he had, he had a whole skit on, like, you might be a redneck if. And, like, I have a book. And so I, I remember a couple of things. But I want to say, like, you might be a Pharisee if. But, like, his redneck jokes were, like, such. They were, like, and listen, I'm, I'm kind of a redneck, so I can say this. Like, you might be a redneck if you cut your grass and find an old truck. Um, you, you, you might be a redneck if you have more than one couch on your front porch. You might be a redneck if your porch collapses and kills ten dogs. Okay. All right. Sorry. That was a little, little gross. But. So I want to turn this. I want to turn this around. And say you might be a red. You might be a Pharisee. You might be a Pharisee if you pray more about yourself than for God's glory and brothers. If you're just asking God for things and 
Like, instead of for, like, God's glory and God's mission, like, you might be a Pharisee. If you're building a record, you might be a Pharisee if you're building a record and comparing yourselves to others a lot. Like, I'm better, or I'm smarter, or I know more theology. If, like, deep in your heart you're thinking that, like, you might be a Pharisee. You might be a Pharisee if you've done service or mission trips and looked down on others that haven't. Uh, and you're kind of keeping record of those accomplishments. Um, we could go on. Uh, there's lots of different ways that we can let um, the things we've done or the comparing others to be what we rely on. And that's not what the gospel is. So the second person is the tax collector. And this is the paradigm, or this is the other justification. There's two ways, right? Self-justification or justification by another. And that's who the tax collector shows us. He shows us humility. He shows us that he is justified by another. So, um, whereas the, the Pharisee, he stands and prays, the tax collector is bowed and humbled. He's not even lifting up his head to heaven. There's a posture of humility here. Okay? He's like, I'm miserable. I'm a big sinner. Like, I am not worthy to even be able to pray, even to be able to be here at the temple. I'm a mess. Whereas the Pharisee is in front of people to show off, the tax collector, he stands far off, not feeling worthy to be in God's presence due to his sin. He's humbled by it. He realizes his hands are unclean. Um, whereas the Pharisee is boasting in his accomplishments and bragging to God, uh, the tax collector is beating his breast in humble repentance. Sorry for his sin, crying out to God, be merciful to me, a sinner. The Pharisee prays to himself. The tax collector cries out to a merciful God. Ultimately, the tax collector shows us real prayer, real dependence, crying out to God. I mean, there's no greater prayer than this. Be merciful to me, a sinner. Be merciful to me, a sinner. And uh, what is sin? I mean, what is that? What's this concept? Well, the tax collectors were known for their greed. They were known for stealing money. Um, Zacchaeus, think of him. He was hated by the people. Why? Because they were basically in cahoots with the Roman government. They would take as much as they could from the Jewish community and take a lot of that for themselves and then give whatever was needed to Rome. But they, they, could, they could name their price. They were kind of like mob, you know, like many mob bosses in the community. People hated them. They were greedy. Um, and so, you know, for this guy, maybe that's what it is. But maybe it's what, whatever his uh, money would get him into, trouble, you know, whatever money would produce in his heart in terms of ease of pleasure and different things. We don't know. It's a, it's a story. But the point is, is that he knew his sin. And for us, when we think of sin in the Bible, it's any lack of obedience to God's Ten Commandments, either in action or in thoughts, in motives, in words. Um, a good summary is failing to love God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and strength, and failing to love others. So, like, as a Christian, you're called to, like, love God, love people, love your roommates, right? So, and it's really hard to do that, right? Well, guess why? Because you got the inward bent. You don't want to love people. You want to love yourself. And so, 
understanding your sin is the first part of then crying out to God in real need. And so another way to look at sin, it's a worship disorder. We said like about idolatry. It's like trying to justify yourself with things, right? Um, you know, instead of worshiping, honoring, honoring God, we worship, you know, things our culture worships, money, power, sex, grades, GPA, like, you know, a relationship, um, romance, uh, you, 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 put, you put it in the box, anything. The Washington Nationals winning the playoffs, that's amazing. <laughs> Love it, okay? But you can, you can make sports your idol, right? You can make sports like, and I've done that, um, your thing, and you can be depressed for five days when your team loses, right? And that shouldn't be that way. Uh, so here's, what, here's how you know what your idols are. What are you really, really depressed or anxious about? That's probably... A, a picture of what your idols are. What are you really, really sad about? When, when, when you don't get what you want, like how do you feel? Like that's a, that's a clue to like what your idols might be, because Jesus wants to be in the center of your life. So, so the question is, how can you be saved? How can you be justified? Where is Jesus in this? Well, um, the Pharisee can be justified, just like this tax collector can be justified, and it's all about admitting. That you are a sinner and that you are unrighteous. That that uh, even your best works are like dirty rags. In thought, word, and deed, your motives are messed up. You're self-centered. And so the parable gives us a blueprint of what we do. We say, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. That's it. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Like it's recognizing that you're looking to another person. God. He cries out to God. God be merciful to me, sinner. Not self be merciful to me. You're crying out to the one who can give mercy. And ultimately, it's about Jesus. Because guess what? Jesus is telling this parable. And Jesus, in, John, in Luke 18, guess what? He is on his way to Jerusalem. In fact, Jesus is on a journey, basically, through half the book of Luke. He is going to Jerusalem. Starts in verse chapter 9. Talks about in 13, talks about in 17. I'm on a journey, guys. I'm going to Jerusalem, and there I'm going to be ha handed over to the religious authorities. I am going to be flogged, and I am going to the cross. And on the third day, I'm going to rise again. So, like, Jesus knew exactly what his purpose was. His purpose was is to be the Savior, not of this fake parable person, but of you and I. And he is the one that can justify us because on the cross, Jesus takes all of our sin upon himself and he pays the justice of God in his death, in his blood. And that's why we can be forgiven and why we can be justified. And there's an aspect of justification where God gives us all of his righteousness. That we're not just like, oh, we're forgiven of God in a clean slate, but what justification is, is we're given the righteousness of Jesus. And that's why we can, like, praise God and, like, sing these songs. Like, we're going to sing another song here in a second. Um, but that's the question. Like, are you trusting yourself or are you trusting another? The gospel is all about what Jesus has done. The tax collector got it. The Pharisee didn't. It was, these are stories. The question is, do we get it? Do we get it? Let me pray. Lord, thank you for this time to worship you this time to think about um, the gospel 
And I pray for myself and I pray for my friends that we would know your grace and mercy and we would be justified. We'd go home justified, rejoicing, knowing that you're our Savior and that we're secure in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, we are going to stand and sing a song to close.